Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts, Angie Fryermuth. And I'm Aaron Schneider. Today we have two guests joining us to discuss trust inside and outside the organization. With us today are Katie Williams, who's a RIT deputy at headquarters, and Eileen Takata, who's a watershed planner and public involvement specialist for the LA district. Thank you both for joining us here today. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. So trust is a critical component of being a successful organization. Uh, leadership has recognized trust as a strategic area of improvement for the organization. Katie, speaking of leaders and trust, what insights can you provide into trust within headquarters? As you you know, stated, trust is a very critical element. And within headquarters, I would say it's you know, something that we need to continue working on and improving. It is something that is very dependent on having relationships. And quite frankly, we've had a quite a turnover in leadership in the past year or two. And I I certainly feel as though um, building those relationships with our leaders and, uh, you know, vice versa, vice versa, because it is a mutual um, process, it is critical to be able to uh, ensure we are having trust um, at our level and that that is feeding down to all the other levels. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And so um, when we talk about trust at all levels and developing those relationships, Eileen, you work um, at a district. And so as, you know, a planner and a person that does public involvement, how is um, trust being worked down through your chain of command and, and being built within your organization? Well, that's a good question because it, um, if you're a stakeholder looking at the Corps and um, ask, you're asked, hey, do I trust the Army Corps of Engineers? And if I were a stakeholder, when I was a stakeholder, as a matter of fact, when I was with a local county government and a non-federal sponsor, um, I would say, you know, that's hard. I trust the individuals I work with because they keep lines of communication open I trust them to tell me when things are not going well or what I need to do next. Um, And then I can say, well, I trust the core because there are people there who I trust. And that doesn't mean I trust everybody or necessarily the system or the organization. And this is uh, truly, that is how I felt. So it boils down to the individuals and the relationships between um, individuals externally and internally. And um, leadership would recognize that in, um, within the core. So now we're um, being asked as public involvement specialists to help build that um, collaborative capacity within the core. And, hey, let's, let's get our folks trained up at the districts um, on how to build that trust. Um, and leadership supports uh, those efforts, which is great. Yeah, what's, so Katie, what specifically should leadership be doing um, to help facilitate that communication and collaborations between employees, you know, at headquarters but throughout the organization? And, um, you know, if there are challenges, and it sounds like there are, you know, what, what specifically should they be doing to, to help um, build that bench and to improve trust and, you know, really get to a place or a safe place for, for everybody to, to work? 
So I certainly feel that trust is, yeah, requires certain things. One of that is having uh, open communication, that uh, mutual communication. You know, let's be honest, we work in a military organization. We have a chain of command, and quite often we report up and we continue reporting up, and it often feels as though there's not a lot of reporting down. So I guess that would be one thing I would start with is having more open communication that goes down as well, Um, not just reporting up. You know, also to really understand and build that trust, you have to know what the vision is And that just gets back to being able to communicate that from the, from our senior leaders down to to everyone in the workforce, whether that's right at headquarters or the district or division level. So really we can be transparent. You know, that seems like a (laughs) cliche to say, but it, it definitely is an important aspect as well as communication and being able to build that trust. So just overall, those are a few of the key tenants, I would say, is having that mutual communication that involves a clear vision and being transparent um, so that everyone's on the same page. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, Being transparent and open um, both internally and externally is a key component of trust. And so, um, Eileen, when you're doing public involvement and you're working with the external audiences, you know, how how important is it for the Corps of Engineers to really listen to our partners and make sure that we're taking time to – just listen and, and build that trust instead of always being quick to have the solution and, and, you know, thinking that we have the right answers all the time. Well, that is such a great question, Angie. That, that, that practice of active listening, right, when we teach public involvement and teaming, that's one of the, the key modules. And there are many ways to do that. If we don't listen carefully and keep just spouting our guidance and our schedule limitations and all this and that, we're, we're not going to solve any problems, right? So because we know that we're here because of the stakeholders and the non tribal sponsors, we are not in an area working on a problem for our health. We were asked to solve a problem locally. So we've got to listen, not just to the sponsor, obviously, but to all those key stakeholders who could actually help create a better, lasting, sustainable solution. So it's in our best interest and everyone's best interest to listen and really provide that space and those opportunities. And so as public involvement specialists, we encourage, say, a feasibility planning process to go well beyond the required NEPA, you know, sort of scoping meeting at the beginning and, hey, we're done with the report, draft report, so let's have a public meeting announcing it. I mean, that's not going to get you all the potential great alternatives that, you know, we're limited in seeing what those alternatives are and what the possibilities are. But the people on the ground, they're the experts. They know the area. They know the problems we want to hear from them, and we need to create those spaces 
for that conversation to happen. And if I could just echo what Katie said a little bit ago about that open communication is so critical. Um, It applies to external stakeholder relationships, too. Um, And public involvement specialists can help sort of strategize, come up with a good plan of communication and public involvement plan. But part of that is that shared vision as well. If we don't agree on the problem and we don't agree, then how can we agree on the solution and transparency? And I can talk about that later, but I'll let you get back to another question. (laughs) Thanks, Eileen. That's great. And and Katie, you know, so Eileen reflected a little bit on the 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 local partners and working with them, but, you know, more from the top, like, you know, you worked on Capitol Hill for a while and and what challenges did you see with trust um, and the organization really from that upper perspective? I think Baron, I did do a detail on the Hill uh, for nearly a year on the appropriations uh, subcommittee. And it was certainly an eye-opening experience and to see how our agency is viewed uh, from there on Capitol Hill. And I'll say honestly that overall our agency is well respected, but nonetheless, trust, you know, there are some issues with trust. I would say that, you know, like one example working, and I say this coming from working on the appropriations subcommittee, I'm not going to say anything about the authorizers or <laughs> how they view things. You know, when we're asking for information about capabilities and uh, project costs and what have you, you know, that's kind of a repetitive process because the Hill doesn't always work uh, on the schedule that they should be working on. (laughs) So we ask for project costs one month and then we need an updated um, or at least a verification, you know, another month. Yeah, that's just kind of a very simplified example, right? And where trust is questioned is when those costs or capabilities start changing and there's no explanation for why. And I think that's where uh, we need to be better about knowing our audience. And this is for relationship on the Hill, but also with our ex- uh, external stakeholders or non-federal sponsors is you have to know where they're coming from because they don't understand all the inner workings of the agency, nor should they have to understand all of that. But we have to be able to clearly explain why something is why it is. And again, they don't need to know all of our inner processes but you have to be able to provide them with enough information for them to understand. So I do think that that is something that we just have to continue working on and be willing to have those communications to explain, because it's not always an easy discussion to have that, hey, we messed up or we provided a wrong number uh, recently, but you know what? At the end of the day, have to understand that we're all humans and we make mistakes. But we also have to own that and just be able to explain why that mistake was made or what we're doing to rectify it, and be able to explain why some of those numbers change because there's valid reasons 
and they just need to understand why that is. Yeah, really good points, Katie. I, I totally agree that, you know, we always need to own up to our mistakes. Um, that's exactly how you build trust, right? Um, if something happens, make sure that they understand that we understand that it was, you know, on our part, part and we're going to try to try to fix it, right? Um, and so just thinking about that and, you know, the core is always under under the limelight um, for for everything that we pretty much do. So how how do we continue to build this this socially visible presence and building trust in a virtual environment? Um, right now we're living in you know a more virtual environment than we ever thought we would, um, and so a lot of people realize that a lot of relationship building has to occur face to face. And I agree. Um, good. Good face-to-face communication, it always builds relationships, but how can we continue to build relationships and remain socially visible to our public constituents um, in the time that we're living in? Right. That is the question, right? How to build and maintain trust in a virtual environment because that's our normal right now and been uh, one big long experiment for the last several months trying to reconcile, you know, how do we do that? So, I mean, I have found during quarantine, um, you know, this period of time has taught me a couple things that it's hard to build trust and really build relationships that don't exist. But I also found it's not hard to maintain ones that do exist because I use the, hey, what's going on? How you doing? Check in as an excuse to call someone. So those, you know, the phone has been um, a fantastic way to keep up with those relationships, especially internally and externally. But if the trust and relationship isn't already developed, it's frankly, harder, but um, there are ways you can still achieve those things because uh, trust-based, relation, good relationships based on trust are based on open lines of communication, like we talked about, which is very doable in a virtual environment. It's also based on that transparency. I mean, Katie's been talking about these things, and I, I'm just wanting to echo them. Um, that fine line between explaining what went wrong and not giving them everything because we're not allowed to talk about everything. It's a, it's a tension, but the art of explaining things is important. But in the end, um, we need to be able to be transparent. We can get to that shared vision together virtually. We can also do the follow-ups and things that, you know, continue to maintain trust. And so all of those things are doable you're just not going to get the same level as face-to-face, but I do believe we can't use this as an excuse, but use it as an opportunity. And to add on to what Eileen um, was talking about, someone said something to me actually just yesterday about having been so successful the past six or seven months in this max telework environment because we already had built-in relationships. And that really struck a chord with me because I think that was a very valid statement. You know, as a supervisor, I've now onboarded several brand new employees to my team 
in this environment. That's certainly a challenge. It's not something I ever expected to do. So that is much harder to build those relationships in this type of environment. So whether you're thinking as a supervisor with employees or with uh, new potential sponsors or what have you, it's about, I think what Eileen was talking about, picking up the phone and just having a conversation. You know, you don't always have to dive into the deep end about work-related stuff. Uh, It's about trying to build those relationships and getting to know folks. And I think that can help the relationship building and the trust to go a long way if you're able to have some of of that dialogue. In building relationships, it's about having those shared experiences, right? And the best shared experiences are the ones face-to-face. You know, uh, we put on a virtual conference called Watershed View in California, And to this day, I still have conversations with some of the stakeholders who participated in that because it was so fun and it was refreshing. And even though it was all virtual, it was a shared experience. And that has continued to keep doors open for the interactions to uh, take place one-on-one or in smaller groups. And it's tiered off uh, additional discussions. And that's that's what we want is the network effect, the ripple effect of shared experiences, whether they're a phone call, a web meeting, or something else. And so I just wanted to throw that out there that that's really important. You want to build those in, whatever that looks like virtually. Yeah. So, you know, you both talked about opportunities and this virtual environment. And, um, you know, I think it's really an opportunity for us, and I heard somebody say this, that this is the, really the great reset for the organization. We're able to reset the norms now based on this COVID experience. And obviously the entire virtual work from home thing isn't going to be the norm, but you know, increasing the balance between that. And, and when you work with people virtually, um, both as, as staff and supervisors, you know, how are we able to maintain accountability? Because it's really important with trust that you have accountability And as employees, we have to be accountable, um, but as leaders, we have to be accountable. So, you know, maybe Eileen first and then Katie second, you know, what does accountability mean to you and and how do you ensure that 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 moves forward in this virtual environment? I I absolutely love that concept um, and practice of accountability. Two quick examples. Internally, ever since COVID hit, we've had a daily check-in call at lunchtime with our plan formulation group, daily. And if you couldn't make it, you couldn't make it. But um, And they last maybe 15 minutes. Um, I love that. On the external side, just last week, I, you know, became the interim ambassador for the L.A. River Watershed Urban Water Shuttle Partnership within two days. I got three phone calls from old stakeholder friends who want information or want to pass information on to the core. Um, So they see me as a a gate. And I told them, hey, if you don't hear from me, call me back in a week or two weeks or email me. Keep bugging me because I may not have the answer. I may not be able to get back to you right away or I may have forgotten Um, if I, you know, get really busy. So um, I've always left that door open to um, folks to go ahead and hold me accountable if they didn't mind doing that. So it it was funny how the calls just started flooding in. (laughs) 
But hey, that's what these relationships that have been around for decades are good for, is I can get them information or try anyway and give them the, the answer that they're looking for. Uh, to build on that, you know, I almost see press as the whole glass half full versus glass half empty approach and that some people will trust from the get-go and then as soon as you start making mistakes, then you're chipping away at their trust. Whereas other people, you have to build the trust up. So I do think that accountability comes into play here. And going back to being a supervisor, you have to know your people and understand kind of what makes them tick, uh, what motivates them. And I think that is very true for our leaders in terms of them being supervisors as well over us, but also um, just leaders in general for the agency. They have to set reasonable expectations that are then actually shared with the workforce. So our employees know how they fit into that. And again, you know, to keep beating the drum, it goes back to mutual open communication. Because accountability is critical, but we should be holding our employees accountable for their responsibilities and, you know, even their mistakes at times. Uh, we all have to learn from our mistakes. So I, I do think that is a critical element, and often it's not something easy, and it's not something that we always, we always do. Sometimes we just go to the extreme and we're not really holding ourselves accountable. Really good points. Thanks to both of you for that. Um, we're approaching the end of our time together, and so I want to toss it back out to, to both of you for any closing thoughts on trust. Um, you know, are there key points that you want to make or um, key lessons that you want to share with the audience? So I will first start with Katie, and then we'll end it with Eileen. Uh, thanks. And uh, it's just, I appreciate this opportunity to participate. Uh, trust for me is a critical uh, component of being a leader, but also being a lead, just a regular employee of the agency. I have to trust my leaders just as they have to trust me. It, it is really an essential element, and it doesn't always feel like it's there at the moment. So I really do feel like that relationship uh, building is going to be a key aspect. And, uh, you know, we've already discussed it. There are challenges in this current environment, but those challenges can't be over. They can be overcome, rather, and it doesn't take that much. You know, a few minutes here or there just to check in with folks and ensure that messages are being relayed. You know, sometimes that's all it really does take. Trust in general, uh, you know, we can always continue improving um, and working to be a better agency overall. Enjoy hearing Katie's perspective from being in D.C. and here out in the field. The relationships are everything. And I wanted to add sort of the concept of what if trust was broken to, to, and, and just I'll 
I won't belabor it, but, you know, we have a teaching slide and and there's sort of three things you have to do to try and repair that trust. And the first one is with words and communicating an apology, explanation, um, and commitment to, you know, reduce, you know, reducing those reasons for breaking the trust. But you need to have some action. Is there, can you modify, you know, the an agreement, put an MOU? Is there financial compensation? You know, who knows? But do something to show that you really mean it. And the apology, by the way, is really hard for us. And finally, the structural changes, like what systematically is in place that is can be altered to reduce or minimize those instances of trust breaking again. So those are kind of the three sort of road to recovery and, you know, the analogy of taking a clean piece of paper comes to mind where you crumple up that piece of paper and once you try and smooth it flat, it will never be as good as it was fresh out of the copier, right? You can't feed it through the copier. It's just wrinkly. And so that's, you know, kind of what happens when you break the trust. It's hard to get back to the level it was. And all the follow-up in the world may or may not um, bring it back. But as long as people know, individuals know, that they can come talk to you, to me, to anyone at the core, that avenue to repairing that trust will always be there. The potential is always there. That's all I wanted to add, and I just thank you for this opportunity to talk about stakeholders and trust. Great. Well, I think it's been wonderful having you two with us here today. Uh, and I think, you know, really to emphasize it is just, you know, trust is critically important to the organization. And, and as Katie said, trust just takes a minute. Um, so, you know, we want all of our employees out there just to take that time, take those few minutes a day to, to reach out to their employees and their coworkers um, just to have those conversations and support them and make sure that um, we're there for each other. Um, But with that, I want to thank you, Katie and Eileen, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your thoughts on trust. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, what topics are important to you, and people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.